The Bible reading today is from Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people and your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on to the hills of east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, let me add my welcome to those before. Uh, My name is Mal York. I am the senior minister here at St Andrews, and it's a real privilege to bring you God's word today. This year at St Andrews, we've been thinking through the topic of discipleship. We've seen that a disciple is a learner. A disciple of Jesus learns Jesus. Today we're starting a new series under this discipleship theme, looking at Abraham. I've called the series Abraham, God's First Disciple. Now, Abraham is not a disciple of God in the same way that we use the word disciple for those who follow Jesus. Abraham did not learn Jesus. In fact, he lived about 2,000 years before Jesus. But rather, Abraham is someone who is on a journey with God and through this learns what it means to follow him. And so in this way, Abraham is the first person to learn what it means to follow God, the, the first disciple of God. Yet obviously with Jesus being God, there is a crossover in what it means for us to be a disciple today, uh, which we will look at. My hope is that you will understand what I mean by this throughout the series. But for us, there is much to learn about following God, about following Jesus from Abraham. So it's my hope and prayer that this series will be not only of great encouragement to you, but will also change and mould you to be more like Jesus. We start the series in Genesis 12, uh, but prior to this, in Genesis 1 to 11, we see God's foundations for the world. God created the world and all that is in it. He created humankind to be in a relationship with him. It was in Genesis 3 that mankind rejected God's rule for them. And this is called sin. God's punishment for mankind's sin, we saw in Genesis 3, is death. Yet with God's punishment, there was also a promise that one day God would send someone to reverse the effects of sin and God's punishment, to defeat death once and for all. And it's found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Let me remind you of what it says. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. So from then on, as we look throughout the Bible, we look for this person who will come and reverse the effects of mankind's rebellion. 
We look for the person who will crush the head of Satan and defeat death once and for all. And so from Genesis chapter 3 to verse 11, uh, to chapter 11, we didn't find this sort of person. In fact, all we saw uh, the last time we looked uh, at Genesis 11 was the story of the Tower of Babel, where God punished humankind and spread them all around the earth as a result of sin. Clearly, mankind was not going to reverse the effects of sin by themselves. Rather, they needed help from God. And it's so with this in mind that we come to Genesis 12 and we see God's interactions beginning with Abram. But before we get into the passage, you will note that Abraham's name is, uh, he goes by Abram uh, in the early account. And as we go through the series, you will see why and when his name is changed to Abraham. So let me pray as we come to look at God's word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have been working for our salvation since the beginning of time. We thank you for the privilege to look at a person like Abraham and the way that you interacted with him. Help us to learn from this what it means to be a people of faith, just like he was, and what it means to live as a person of faith in, in the world today that rejects you as king. And so we pray for your strength and your spirit as we look at your word today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first aspect of this passage we see is that God is the one who takes the initiative. As we've already seen up until this point in Genesis, mankind had no uh, hope of reversing the effects of sin. In fact, what we saw over Genesis chapter 3 to 11 is that mankind spiraled deeper and deeper into sin. And so in chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, we find God taking the initiative and breaking into the world, breaking into this cycle of sin and revealing himself to Abram. Can you see it there? God speaks to Abram. This is so different from other religions of the world today that say if you want to find God, you need to do X, Y, or Z. The gods of other religions are not active in this way, but it's all about what you do to become right with the gods or to appease them somehow. But this is what sets the God of the Bible apart. He takes the initiative. God recognizes that without his help, without him taking the initiative and revealing himself to mankind, then humankind will never be able to be right with him. Sometimes for me, it's the same when I meet someone for the first time. I'm more down the introverted end of the personality, personality type. So for me, it's uh, introducing myself to someone out of context can be quite awkward. I was once on a school ski trip many years ago and Zali Stegel, who would later go on and win a bronze medal for Australia at the Olympics, was part of the group that I was with. I'd never met her before, but I, I turned to my friend who was next to me eating dinner at the table and I sort of whispered to him and said, oh, where, who's that really good skier again? I'd love to meet her. It was then that Zali stuck out her hand and introduced herself to me. She was sitting directly opposite me, but she took the initiative. And friends, this is unique to the God of the Bible as opposed to other religions. God takes the initiative and it's not something that we should take for granted. God has taken the initiative to reveal himself to us, so we need to make sure that we listen to what he says. And this is what we see here in Genesis 12. God speaks to Abraham. And in this way, God looks to establish something new, something that is different to what has happened before. Genesis 1 to 11 shows us that humankind couldn't get back into that right relationship with God on their own. Uh, Genesis 1 to 11 shows that humankind left to themselves cannot become right with God. And so see what God says to Abraham? 
Can you see there in verses 1 to 2 when he speaks? Have a look. He says, leave your country, leave your people, leave your father and go to the land I will show you. See how God says that to Abraham? The land I will show you, I will make, I will bless. And go on in verse 7, I will give. God literally wants to create a new people separate from the one that Abraham was part of before. And God is going to do it all for Abram. Notice what he does not say to Abram. He doesn't say to Abram, if you want to win my favour, you must go and do X, Y and Z. He doesn't start out with some sort of instruction for the sacrificial system in order that Abram can appease God in some form or another. No, God acts on Abram's behalf. God tells Abram to leave so that he can do many things for Abram. And friends, this is an act of God's almighty grace. And we see it again and again throughout the Bible. God acting on our behalf. But it's ultimately seen, isn't it, in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, up until this point, we know nothing of Abram of great significance. Uh, If we jump back to chapter 11, uh, uh, only a few verses, we would see that Abram was the son of Terah and was married to Sarai, and they lived in Haran. But apart from that, there's no reason as to why God should choose to reveal himself to Abram. But he does. God breaks into the world and shows his grace by choosing this man to make into a nation set apart for his very own. And through him, he will bless the whole world. Now, you may ask yourself, why did God not choose to reveal himself to everyone in the world in this way? But you see, what we learn from this account is this is God's way of working. This is God's way of revealing himself to the whole world. You see, he does want the whole world to be blessed. Can you see there in verse 3, God says to Abraham, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. But you see, God shows his character to the world in the way that he will interact from now on with humanity. So that when it comes to Jesus, we know that God works in the world by blessing it through an individual. Friends, what we see here is a God who desires relationship with his creation. He's not a God who we appease or whom we need to work for his favour, but he's a God who acts on our behalf because of his great love for us, because of his grace. Friends, God has revealed himself to humankind, firstly through Abraham, ultimately through Jesus. But are we listening? So often in the world today, we hear the voice of the media or the voice of our family and friends or even our own voice more than we hear the word of God. But friends, God has taken the initiative. We have the very words of God contained in the Bible. The God who is the beginning and the end, who spun the stars into motion, who created the world and who has spoken to you and me. Friends, we must treasure these words by listening to them and acting upon them in our lives. Why? Because this is the way that God works. He works through his word. This is my second point for today. God works through his word. Specifically, we see this in the passage as God makes three promises to Abram. And as he does this, he's acting through his word. Have a look at the promises that God gives Abram in the passages. Uh, The promise that he'll be made into a great nation in verse 2. The promise that his name will be made great and that all people on earth will be blessed through him in verses 2 to 3. 
And then finally, the promise of land in verse 7, that his people will have a resting place of their very own. Now, a promise is a guarantee of something that has a future fulfillment, a future hope. In Abram and Sarah's case, it was three promises. First, to be a great nation, but they had no children. So it was something they needed to wait for. Secondly, being a blessing to people. It was something that would come in the future. But at the time the promises were given, Abraham was not being much of a blessing to anyone. Finally, God promised him land. But at this time, there were people living in the land that God promised. It was something that would come in the future and not now. The promises of God was something that wouldn't come to Abraham now, but in the future. For those receiving the promise, it then involves the patience in waiting, doesn't it? For that promise to be fulfilled and trust that the promises will be fulfilled. We see people making promises like this when they get married, don't we? When a person gets married, they make a promise, a promise that they will do something in the future that cannot be seen. They promise to love one another or love the other person every day of their lives and to love no other in this way. This is why it's so devastating when people's marriages break down. It's a breakdown of their promise. But the promises of God are more than this. Because when God gives his promise, he keeps them. It's part of his character to keep his promise. We see this in places like Numbers 23 verse 19 when it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? You see, this aspect of God's character is seen over and over again in the Bible. If we did a quick skim through the rest of the Bible, we would would actually see that God keeps his promises to Abram. His descendants do become a great nation. Uh, The world does receive blessing through him and his descendants. And his descendants are given land, which makes up most of what we see as modern-day Israel. So not only do we see that God is someone who works through his promise, but also God is one who is faithful to his promise. Now, ultimately, however, we see this fulfillment of these promises when God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus ultimately fulfills all these promises given to Abram. All those who trust in Jesus become God's people, his treasured possession. The world is blessed through Jesus, as through faith in him, the whole world can be brought back into a right relationship with God. And through Jesus... We are taken to God's promised eternal life, our resting place, our eternal home where we will dwell with God forever. God is a God who works through his promises. God is a God who keeps his word. Friends, do you know the promises of God fulfilled in Jesus? As Abraham trusted the promises that were to come, we trust the promises that have been fulfilled, fulfilled in Jesus. Yes, Jesus gives us more future promises that we can trust in, but we know too that they will come true because we trust in a God who fulfills his promises. The question becomes, how do we respond to these promises that have been fulfilled in Jesus? Well, we see the answer to this is actually the final aspect of the passage that we're looking at today. We see how Abram responded to God's promises. And the answer is, with faithful obedience and action. Can you see there in verse 4 and notice Abram's response? It says, So Abram left. Three small words on paper, but if you think about it, a huge move. Not only does he need to pack up all that he has, 
Abram has become quite wealthy and acquired a lot of material possessions. But he also has to take with him his wife and some of his extended family. Then there would have been servants and animals and so on. It wasn't just like he was going on a holiday, but he was relocating his whole life. There were no removalists back in those days. They needed to all be carried on animals. And their destination? Well, Abram was trusting in God's word and his direction. He was setting out in faith. The direction is unknown. But Abram trusted in the promises of God, so Abram left. However, keep in mind, Abram was also leaving behind family. His father older brothers, and not to mention any sisters or, or other relationships that he had. It was not like there were, mo- there were mobile phones in those days, or we couldn't keep in touch via Zoom like we can today. It was hard to keep in touch with this family, with the people that he left behind. And in many instances, Abram knew he was leaving people that he would never see again. This is a big sacrifice, isn't it? Many of you know that I have a brother who lives in Europe. It's a huge blessing that I can see him often throughout the year. But his last visit was in March this year. Before he had finished his visit, he suddenly needed to leave at the drop of a hat to run this coronavirus gauntlet to get back to his family in Luxembourg. It was a strange feeling farewelling him, not knowing when or how long it would be until I'd be able to see him again face to face. I can't imagine what it would have been like for Abram to have farewelled my brother for good. But this is what Abram did here. You would want to make sure you were doing the right thing, wouldn't you? But Abram trusted in God's promises, so he left. He responds with faith and obedience. Friends, I think this is the biggest challenge to you and me. Do we trust in the promises of God like Abram did? Do we trust in God's word for our lives? And it's this scene in the actions that we take. Do we trust in God's promises when it comes to our money, especially when we're going through challenging times even now? Does the way that we spend our money show we're living more for God's glory or for the things of this world? Do we trust in the promises of God when it comes to our conversations? What's the most important thing that we speak about? Is it with with God? what God has done for us? Or is it with what we're achieving? Do our conversations reflect those who are living our lives in order to please ourselves or to please God? Do we trust in the promises of God when it comes to our own time? Does the way we spend our time show that we are are trusting that God has fulfilled his promises in the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, friends, for Abram, it was all or nothing. Are you responding to God's word with faithful obedience. Well, friends, let me conclude. What do we learn from being a disciple of Jesus here? For Abram to be a disciple of God meant listening to his word, trusting in his promises, and responding with faithful obedience. The same is for us. Listen to how Hebrews 11 verse 8 to 10 describes Abram. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Friends, we are living in uncertain times. 
We do not know when this pandemic will be over. We do not know when our lives will turn, return to normality. In some ways, we're like Abram, facing uncertainty about our future. But what we do have is a God who has taken the initiative, who has sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, his word become flesh, in whom all his promises are fulfilled and through whom his resurrection gives us the hope of an eternal life, an eternal city, where no pandemic will ever enter her gates because her architect and builder is God. So friends, I urge you to respond like Abram with faith and obedience. Lean on God's word for your hope during this time, for your direction, and know that whether, we are in, whether we're in lockdown, whether we're financially taking a hit, whether we're in the throes of sickness ourselves, as disciples of Jesus, we can trust in the promises of God and know that our eternal destination is secure. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful example of Abram. Help us, Heavenly Father, to respond with faith and obedience. Thank you so much that, God, you have taken the initiative and entered into this world. Help us to listen to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Mal, we have a question here. How do I grow in faith and obedience? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Uh, and it all has to do with uh, knowing God's word better. Uh, so, uh, Paul often says in the New Testament, uh, I continue to remind you of the things that you know. Uh, I continue to remind you of, of God's word. Uh, and as we grow in our knowledge of God's word, uh, we continue to respond to that with faith and obedience. We continue to learn what it means to live uh, with faithful obedience in the way that Abram did. Uh, and so I'd encourage you to spend more time in the Bible listening to the commands of God, listening to what Jesus teaches us uh, and learning how to live by what, uh, what it says. Mm. Excellent. How do we really know when God is directing us to do something which, is, which looks risky for which we need great faith? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I always wish uh, for many decisions that I have to make in my life that God uh, would come down and say, do that, that's the right thing to do. Uh, often it's not, there's not a right and wrong thing to do. Uh, often it's about responding uh, to God's word uh, with the right priorities. As we learn and, uh, and grow from God's word and we have this gospel perspective of looking out into the world through the lens of his word, uh, then when we make decisions, we need to be asking ourselves that question in the, the, the first place is, is this something that God, uh, God's word would say is a right thing? Now, God might not give us a specific answer on that one um, and so there might not be a, a wrong way of doing things, but ensuring that we're doing things uh, and living our lives according to what God's word says, uh, really we, we in, in some ways we can't make the wrong decision. But the priorities, are we putting him first or are we putting ourselves first? They're, they're the sort of, uh, we, we need to think through uh, those questions uh, and make sure that we're putting God and his priorities first. Mm, thank you. Uh, we have a question that says, since we have the Trinity, does that mean Jesus and the Holy Spirit also made that promise to Abraham? Yeah, I think uh, God uh, in... Uh, as three persons uh, made that promise to, um, uh, to Abram. It might have been God the Father doing the work there, but uh, all the promises were um, 
uh, that we see throughout the Bible uh, all come from God and we see the fulfillment of them throughout the Bible and the Holy Spirit and also Jesus playing in their, their role in seeing them all fulfilled as well. I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit that helped Abram to respond the way that he did. Uh, and I know that those promises were pointing to the Lord Jesus. So it was a wonderful Trinitarian action, I would say, uh, in, when God made those promises to Abram. 